Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Marianne Fairmouth. And Marianne and I met at the NSA National Speakers Association Winter Conference in Houston. And it turns out she is a Houstonian as well. So in addition to celebrating all things Houstonian, she has a really interesting story. And more importantly, I think for all of my listeners, some great advice and a different approach that she takes to recruiting that we're going to get into in this podcast. So Marianne, first of all, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Well, thank you for having me on your show, Tom. It was an honor to meet you at the NSA and glad we had some time to visit and I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Before we get started, it just struck me that was one more thing I wanted to ask you to start with, which is about NSA. I've now been to two events at NSA and I must say it has the friendliest people. I mean, you and I sat down next to each other at a table and immediately engaged in a very meaningful conversation, both on a personal level to get to know each other, but also on a business level. Is that your experience with NSA? Yes, yes. That was my third conference. And uh, the first one, of course, was in Baltimore. But I felt that I met some wonderful people, and I'm still friends with most of the people I met at all these conferences. But no, I think the venue is a good one. I learned a lot, and I met some great people. So I think that, you know, what we experienced here in Houston is very much like what the other conferences have been like for me, too. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your company? You've been not a solo, but a businesswoman for many years in Houston. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your business and what you do? Okay. My name is Marianne Fairmouth. I'm the founder, the CEO of Fairmouth & Company. Fairmouth & Company is a national recruiting firm. We also do consulting services. We also help folks with resumes. And been in the business since 1987. And the last probably 10 years, I have done a lot of recruiting in the pipeline service area, placing mid to upper level technical kinds of people. But in 2016, I had the honor of being the president of the Houston Independent Personnel Association. So I got to meet a lot of the recruiters in Houston. And so what we do, Tom, is we work on a networking basis. And with the network of recruiters we have, no matter what your specialty is, we all work together. We meet once a month and we all work together sharing jobs and helping candidates. So for example, if I get a candidate in that maybe is not pipeline service, but maybe they're a risk manager in insurance, then I know of a recruiter in my network that does that. So we work as a consortium and it's been very successful and it's been a wonderful experience for me. I love what I do. I belong to a lot of national organizations where I have continuing education, but my company really is a little different in some ways in that I'm more of a holistic recruiter. And by that, I mean, I look at the whole person. I look at who you are today not just look at a resume and look at a job description and slam them together. It's more of a human approach. And I think that works best for these times. So this is obviously an audio podcast. And so for those listening, you just got just the briefest sense of the passion Marianne brings to recruiting. She is so passionate about this. When we met, she clearly conveyed that passion to me. And I'm really glad you ended with a few thoughts or a few words rather about your approach, because 
in talking to Marianne, it was clear to me that her approach is very, very different than the majority of recruiters. And that entire holistic approach is really exactly what is needed. And she indeed has even written a book on her approach called Revolutionary Recruiting. But she's got something called a Fairmouth Method. So perhaps we could start with that and then move to your book, Revolutionary Recruiting. Okay. The Fairmouth Method is five steps, Tom. And it was actually born from a trip that I took with my son when he was in advanced English. We went for his graduation to Greece. And when I was in Greece, we went to the Temple of Apollo in Delphi. And at that Temple of Apollo, inscribed on the temple is in Greek, the inscription, Know Thyself. And, you know, Greeks obviously are very, very smart people, but that's the first step of the Fairmouth Method. And the Fairmouth Method is all about alignment. Because if you know yourself, you know what your skills and talents are, and we can align those with the position that meets that, that isn't in alignment with those skills and abilities, then we can find a job for you that you're going to be happy with. There's five steps in the method. Actually, the method was born out of, out of a precipitating experience that I had I was married to a wonderful guy for 18 years that was not in alignment. He was in the wrong job. He took a job that his father and grandmother and uncle wanted him to take. He wanted to be a forest ranger. And they said, no, no, we're all engineers. You're going to be an engineer. So he went to a and and he was an engineer. And for 18 years, he did that and he was miserable. And one day he sat right in front of me. He had a funny pain and he died of an aortic aneurysm. So I know the worst case scenario of not being in alignment. And so the five-step method is a method I go through with every candidate to try to understand and ascertain what their alignment basis is. There's five steps. The first one is, know, you know, do a self-inventory. The second is ask better questions. The third is step out of your comfort zone. The fourth is take the time to do it right. And the fifth is be a hunter. It sounds rather simplistic, but I go into more detail. But that Fairmouth method helps me really identify who that person is right now what their purpose is, what their passions are, and then helps me align them with the position that's going to fit that. Now, that's not to say we're going to play la-la land here, because if you're going to tell me, oh, you know, I want to be a healer or I want to be a, you know, whatever it is, and those jobs aren't out there right now that are able to support you in a style that you need to be supported, then we have to get more in alignment with what reality is. But I feel that this five-step method has allowed me to have high retention with my placements. Okay. My applicants don't leave. They stay in their jobs for a lot longer than some of the other candidates I've talked to. And I'm proud of that. Marion, I was wondering now if we could turn to your book, Revolutionary Recruiting. What led you to write this? What has been its reception in the marketplace? And how have your clients utilized your thoughts for the entire recruiting process, job seekers, employers, and those in between? I wrote the book because, as I mentioned, I had an experience, precipitating experience, that was not a real favorable one. And that is, it ended up in death. Somebody really being unhappy and the stress of that really affected their well-being and they obviously left the planet. But a few years after my husband died, I had a young man come into me. This is really why I wrote the book. He came into me and he was a forest ranger. And he wanted to work in oil and gas. He was the exact opposite of my husband. And I was determined to place him in the right job. So I did my five-step method. I went through the inventory and I had a client at the time that had a position for a production coordinator. He had not been a production coordinator, but he had worked for his family's company where he had all the mechanics and worked in all the areas that that position 
the position, the skills he had would transfer into that position. And I had sent two people to my client that I'd worked with for five years that had exact experience, but he didn't like them. So I called the client, the president of the company, and said, I have somebody that you're going to like, but it's not what you want. He said, hey, what do you mean? Well, first of all, tell me what his degree's in. I said, you don't want to know. He said, no, tell me what his degree's in. I said, his degree's in forestry. Said, what am I going to do with a degree in forestry? I said, listen, he's worked in a company where he has all the experiences you need that are going to transfer into that job. You need to see this candidate because I really believe he can do this job and do it well. And because he doesn't have any five years experience you need, you can get him for a lot less money. Oh, that got his attention right away. So he interviewed the candidate. He hired him on the spot. 90 days later, he promoted him. And two years later, that young man was running that manufacturing plant. So the moral of the story is, if we take the time to understand what their passions are, what their skills are, what their transferable skills are, we can place them in positions where the retention rate is a lot higher. The candidates are happier because they're feeling a sense of purpose. The clients are happier because the people aren't leaving. And so it's a win-win for everyone. That's in there that really intrigued me that I'd like to follow up on. And it really is about you and about your relationship with your clients and your customers. And it seemed to me that what you bring to the table is not only professionalism, but also your clients can trust you. When you say to them, this guy has a forestry degree, but here's what he has directly relevant to you, and your clients will trust you that you're not blowing smoke up them, and that because you've established that relationship literally over years, but that they have that trust with you, that you can talk to them about someone who may be out of the box, may be going in a different direction, or something completely different. Is that a part of and a key ingredient of not simply you, but your success? Yes. My logo is Athena. She's the goddess of wisdom. But underneath my logo is the inscription, integrity personified. All right. And that's very, very important. I believe a big part of my success, Tom, has been integrity. And that if you come to me with all this list of unnecessary requirements, okay, and you show me the job description, okay, and you have these standards, I'm going to be honest with you and tell you the truth. Okay? I'm going to tell you what you need, what you should be paying or not. Because if I tell you the right thing, it's not about what's in it for me, Tom. Let's make the right match here for, for the client and for the applicant. Because if we make that best match, all right, then everybody's happy. And then what happens from that, and you know this too from how you do your business, if I make a good match, everybody's happy, then guess what happens? That client's going to send me his vendors. That applicant's going to send me his friends. In fact, I wrote a quick story. My, I placed all my son's friends, okay? My son has a master's degree from UT in accounting. I placed all of his friends. And one day, he said, Mom, here's a friend of mine. He wants to get in the oil industry. He's only got a, three years of college. He's working as a bartender right now. He's making 60000 a couple years ago. I said, okay. So he came into me and I, he said, I want to stop school and go to get a job. I said, why do you want to do that? He said, well, all Christopher's friends are making X amount of dollars in the oil industry. I said, listen, you need to stay there. Keep your bartender job, get your degree, and then you come see me. He said, but why? I said, because that's the right thing to do for you. Because if I place you, you'll never go get that degree, okay? Get your degree and then come see me. Well, that night he went to happy hour. He said, you know, the lady told me the truth. And he was sitting next to a bunch of guys that did have their degrees, and he sent them to me. So I made three placements from the referrals. The moral of the story is I did the right thing for that person. Okay? I could have made a nice fee on that young man, right? But it was the best thing for him. He needed to get that degree and then come see me, and he did. So integrity is very important. 
I think. So, Mary, do you have or can you have those same conversations with employers when they send you a job listing that says something along the lines of top 10 engineering school, top 20 percent in class and a set of skills that not that they could have been written by a third grader, but they're so broad they apply to everyone. Can you have that same yeah, conversation I about do. what I you do. really need? I do have that conversation. In fact, you know, I have some of my clients, and unfortunately, I'm going to be honest, they're baby boomers like I am. And so they have a mindset. They want to do things the old-fashioned way. They want to meet every requirement, dot the I's, cross the T's. And I have this one client that only wants to hire degree people. And I told her the other day, this is not long ago, just before the pandemic hit, I said, you know, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, Yahoo, they've dropped the degree requirements, right? Because sometimes these people that don't have degrees, look at Bill Gates, look at Michael Dell, look at the guy that owns Facebook, you know, degree is important. Degree is, says I have the ability to learn. But there might be extenuating circumstances where somebody cannot get a degree, and maybe they've had to work hard and have the experience level that might be really good for your company. She said, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to try it. I said, well, you know, I'll look for a degree, but let's see a few without one, and let you make the decision. And she did. And thank goodness she ended up hiring the guy, and they had tuition reimbursement there with three years of experience, and he could go to school at night and finish his degree. So yes, I do answer your question. I do have those re- experience. I do have those conversations because you know, that's what my revolutionary recruiting book's about. It's about, let's look at today. Let's look at where we are right now, all right? Tom, and you've probably read this and seen it on television and read it in the news and the newspaper, okay? Colleges now are going to be a little bit affected by this pandemic, all right? And so, you know, there's going to be more online going to school. And I'm not saying degrees are going to go by the wayside, but we got a new normal now. And maybe that's not going to be the end all. So, yes, to answer your question, I do have those conversations, but it's revolutionary. We are going through revolutionary times and we have to look at a way of recruiting that is revolutionary, that's in alignment with the times, I think. So what are, from the book, what are some of the key mistakes you see employers make? Well, one of them we just talked about, and I think that is, you know, having unreasonable requirements for a position. And I don't think that's going to be how we're going to be able to do things going forward. I think we're going to have to look at the reality of This is the job. These are the requirements. And here's a person with these transferable skills. They might not have the degree in this area, but they have skills that fit with it. And I do think with supply and demand now, with so many people that are going to be laid off, it's going to be an employer's market. Well, whenever you have a surplus of any kind of commodity, whether it's potatoes, generators, or people, what happens? Salaries come down. Right, And so we're going to have that situation in the marketplace, I believe, going forward. I hate to say that, but I just think it's economics 101. So people are going to have to look at transferable skills, and they're going to have to look at being more reasonable in their requirements. So I think that's a mistake, number one. Number two, I think I don't think people ask the right questions when they interview, when I try to advise them. I think we need to give these candidates hypothetical questions to see how they're going to solve problems. I think the problem-solving skill is almost more important than the, than the experience. And I totally do that when I interview. I ask somebody, boss comes in, he tells you they're going to totally redo the project, and you've got to start over. How are you going to handle that? Well, if tell me that I'm not going to be upset about it, or then I know I have an inflexible candidate. And if I send them to ABC company, they're not going to like that. But we need to know how somebody's going to, by the questions we ask, we can learn a lot and glean a lot of information about how they're going to do the job. And I think employers need to do that. They need to understand what the requirements are 
then they need to ask the right questions in the interview to see if this candidate has the right mindset to be able to be a part of the team and work well. In the current economic climate we're in, particularly here in Houston, you obviously are going to have lots of layoffs and lots of talent in the workplace. When things fall apart, like they have here in Houston and perhaps across the country, what can employees do to not only prepare themselves, but actually then use this, if not a positive, use it as a way to reach out and take that next step? I think it's an opportune time to take a small step backward to be able to take a giant step forward. I think we're in the rebirthing process. And just like, you know, I wrote an article about the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. You know, Dorothy was caught up in this, you know, so-called tornado and met these three wonderful people on her journey. And she was trying to get back home. All right. And so I think right now we're all trying to get back home. and We should use this time to get back home to who we really are and reflect on what is it that I think I want to do and what can I do right now and use this time to be able to prepare for it? I think we're going to have a lot more things coming up online. We're going to have to be online because of all this, you know, seriousness of the pandemic and the virus being so easy to catch. You know, we need to use this time to identify what is it that maybe I really might want to do and how can I get prepared for it, especially if, for example, if you're an oil field person, all right, and maybe those jobs are not going to be around for a while, all right? So what are you going to do right now to learn a new skill set? How are you going to prepare for that? Well, we're going to Google, we're going to see what classes are available. We're going to use this time to really prepare for what comes next. And the tale of two cities, Charles Dickens, the first two sentences of his book, or the first sentence of his book, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. I think we can look at the situation like that. Maybe it is the worst of times can turn out to be the best of times. Because I think what this is showing all of us, in my opinion, is that life is about relationships, in my opinion. It's not about going up to be the top of the mountain to be the best on the top of the mountain, but it's about what can I do in service to help others? That's what I'm about, all right? And maybe this is the time for us to look at these worst of times being the best of times for us to improve and to learn what our skill set might be that we can refine to help make a contribution to the greater good. Marianne, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted more information on you, Revolutionary Recruiting, or your company. Where could they go? Go to fairmouth.com. That's my website, F-A-R-E-M-O-U-T-H.com. And my book you can buy from Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. And all that is on my website. And my contact information and all of that is on the website. I also, I'm a weekly... uh, writer for a nationally syndicated website called the U.S. Daily Times. And you can find my articles there every week. And I also do a podcast on the Price of Business show every week about what's going on in the marketplace to help people really refine their skills, especially now in these tough times. Mary Ann, this has been a great conversation. I'm glad we finally were able to connect for this podcast recording. And I look forward to continuing the conversation. You too. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been wonderful. I've enjoyed it. I appreciate it so much. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.